0: Hi, this is Sierra Dahl. Welcome to the Get Real, How to Live a More Authentic Life podcast with Dr. Barry Weinhold. Dr. Barry is living proof that it's possible to overcome a traumatic childhood and move forward and have a successful, happy, and self-aware life. As a result of his experiences, he has devoted the past 45 years as a therapist, university professor, and author of over 80 books to develop cutting-edge approaches that can show you how to achieve the life that you want. We'd like to hear from you. So send us your stories and your questions and Dr. Berry may feature you on a future podcast. If you subscribe to the podcast, you'll receive a free self-assessment tool that will help you evaluate how you might be able to move your life forward more effectively. Now here's Dr. Berry. So, Dr. Barry, I see that we have a guest today, Robert Scheidler. Would you like to tell us more about him?
1: Well, I've uh, known Robert for quite a long time now, uh, and we've gone through a number of different cycles of doing things together and working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a client at one point, and then we worked on some projects together, and we've we've uh, been sort of friends. And... and uh, and we don't get enough time together, but when we do, we have these long conversations that go on and on and on, and uh, we try to solve all the problems of the world when we get together. So, (laughs) but usually we leave a few for others to handle. (laughs) So Robert, tell us a little bit about uh, your experiences of how you've handled the triggers that happen in your life about Uh, how things from your past come to the present and how you handle that.
2: Yeah, triggers, issues from the past, my theory is that there's an emotion that goes with it and they're too frightening at the time to fully experience the emotion. And then that gets stored in our bodies, I think. That's what I understand so that even massage can sometimes trigger it. And what I've um, learned is that if I can separate the... I well, first become aware of the trigger, and then if I can separate the story, uh, because if you go through the story again, you might re, you know, re-trigger yourself, or re-traumatize uh, um, yourself. But if you can separate the emotion from the story and often it's around helplessness or something like that if you can fully feel that sense of helplessness or despair or anger or whatever it is that's so frightening that you didn't want to face it then you have a chance to um redo the the, uh, story itself and see it differently
1: so yeah i think what you're saying is it's really important it's 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 not the event that triggers so much as the feelings. Yes. About the event.
0: yes. How do you handle it when you first start getting triggered about something? What do you do? Can I give you an example?
2: Yeah. Sure. Uh, not too long ago, maybe less than a year ago, I was in Tennessee or Kentucky. I forget which. And it was raining. And I was with my wife. And we were, it was a, Rainstorm, I had to kind of follow the lights in front of me <laughs> that sort of thing and somebody pulled up alongside me and he made me go off on the onto the short shoulder of the road and I just got ticked and I just started speeding up my wife says stop Robert and I said shut up and she said no you shut up then I that time I said no you shut up now by then i was in the middle of the next lane i had no idea what i was going to do or what i was going to do to this guy or anything else and so it was over by the third you know shut up i mean when she told me to shut up then i told her i was really angry to tell her to shut up and then she told me to shut up you know it was it was over but i'll get to what happened uh, so it's only the start of the story the rest of the story is more interesting so I got up to him and I waved to him. I mean, he waved to me and I waved back and I just went on. And you know, I realized he knew what he did. So and you know, hey guys got carry guns in that part of the country. So what am I gonna do? You know. What happened is the next day, I thought about that and I decided to let go of the story. And I I I just got in touch with that feeling I had I was on the side of the road, and my life was in danger, and that feeling. And I had that triggered. And when I followed it to a certain depth, I realized I was feeling helpless. That's one thing I've hated all my life is to feel helpless.
0: That's really interesting that you recognize that. I hadn't thought about helplessness as part of being triggered, but yes, you're right.
2: Yes. And I, I'm finding more and more that that's a common theme in our countries, that helplessness or being trapped. And that's just a real trigger. So... A day, oh, by the way, as an anecdote, um, about 20 minutes before that incident, a guy drove by me, passed me, and he gave me the finger as he went by oh, no. in the rain. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm wondering that later, I wonder if I had cut him off and didn't know it. Interesting, yes, anyway, that's that's to decide. So, a day or so later, I was going down, uh, you know road and my wife was in front of me getting ready to turn and I was coming up and this woman went across four lanes of uh, road right in front of me I had to slam on my brakes and everything I didn't have the anger (laughs) I I could see that she saw me I just went by I was thankful I you know so and I've seen since then that Sometimes in programming, I get, get in some computer programs sometimes. I just can't solve the problem. and I feel so helpless. And often I would yell like hell. And sometimes that feels good. There's nothing wrong with that. But I notice that I'm just more calm. Now.
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting. Now, the, when you talked about helplessness, in that incident, you didn't feel helpless.
2: Well, I kind of did, but. It just, I just didn't get the emotion going.
1: Yeah. Okay. It didn't. It didn't get. It, didn't it could
2: be. I think you're bringing up. It it could be different because it happened so fast. I mean, I wasn't pushed off the side of the road. It happened so fast okay. and it was over so fast. So yeah, they may not be a a uh, good comparison.
0: But I think most people get triggered when somebody does something egregious in traffic. You get really annoyed and angry at it. You know. So yeah. Why Upset. do you think that is, Barry? Doctor Barry
1: why do people well again it's uh it's uh it can be a lot of things uh, i mean when people are behind the wheel uh they want to be in control and then something happens that triggers them and they realize they're helpless they're not in control and and that scares them and then they they then have to sort of uh, either find a way to uh, to calm that feeling down and some, as I said sometimes people will project it on others you know, get... there's
0: probably an element of fear involved in that too of fear Absolutely. of your life actually or having them having caused you an accident of some sort by mm-hmm. their carelessness so maybe it's a combination of emotions
2: there is an exis- existential part of it but if you get triggered from something previous from the past like I did on that road there. That I leave the current time and place. Yeah. I was no longer at that road at that time, in a sense. And I was responding as if something was happening back then. I could hardly remember. I was trying to impose it on that, um, on that current situation. Yeah. In other that's... words, I go back to the memory of feeling that helplessness. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's the trigger. Uh, The Mm -hmm. trigger uh, is it triggers a memory in your body memory, and frequently you hit it really uh, well. It it involves feelings, deep feelings, Mm -hmm. and scary feelings. When when we have a situation like this and we react like this, Mm -hmm. we know that something's going on that's unusual and we don't understand it and and frequently we just want to get rid of it as fast as possible
2: and our response looks inappropriate for the situation oftentimes
1: it does yeah yeah. and you
2: wonder oh he's crazy no he's reliving (laughs) (laughs) the past that's right
0: it's interesting that you were able to actually having had that experience of being pushed off the road that you actually thought about it enough so when somebody went across the four lanes you weren't actually reacting to them the same way that you might have otherwise because you that's understood after, what your experiences were and your emotions weren't able to control them.
2: But that's after decades of learning, a lot of um, um, forgiveness work, and seeing and learning over a period of time that if I was in a similar situation, I would probably do the same thing. And, and yeah. when people injure me and that type of thing, and so I learned then to look back, to recognize that tension. In fact, there's a, quite a story. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go into another story. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me give you an idea of where I started from. I can this isn't quite a trigger, but it's kind of a trigger, or it indicates a trigger. So in my late teen years, there was a group of us guys go, with the chaperones going to meet some girls. And we were told to just be yourself. I can remember distinctly thinking that that would be the dumbest piece of advice you could give me because why in the hell would I want to be myself? Because I was always I was socially awkward, you know, and you're always getting in trouble and you have, you know, you're born a sinner type thing and, and so forth. So what I really needed to do is to put a persona on top of who I really am. I cannot allow people to see who I really am. So a little bit later, I was invited to a Toastmasters group in my mid-20s. And this was by this very distinguished gentleman who was very much respected in this company I was working for. There was a bunch of other employees. Hey, come on, Robert, we got something for you. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to give me a gift or something. But instead, he invited me to a Toastmasters meeting. And all I could think of, I could just started to get a little bit of thought of, oh, my I'm going to be in front of everybody. And I just gave some kind of excuse and got the hell out of there. I got back to my desk almost before I had any idea what happened.
1: uh uh-huh. That you escaped the uh the, yeah. the the feeling that you thought was gonna happen if you got up in front of the group and and so you had to had to make an exit in order to in order to prevent that from happening.
2: Yeah, you know, I left again. I I Pretty much left the current time and place. And when I got back to my desk, I was, I can remember wondering, what the hell happened? (laughs) And I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Nobody said anything to me about it. But see, what happened is, is before that, people were real excited about offering me an opportunity and things like that and helping me out. And what I did is in the effort to protect myself, I actually embarrassed myself more that if I just shared that I had concerns about being exposed, you know, uh-huh. being in front of people.
0: Yeah, I and think a lot of people, people have that fear, you know, the being in front of a group and making a fool of themselves. They're afraid to take that kind of risk. But and also,
1: then what you did is you share. I mean, what you're saying is it would have the the solution would have been to share the and be emotionally honest with the the people about what was going on. Yes. And that's, I've been talking about that the first episode about how emotional honesty is a big part of getting through triggering.
2: But I was too frightened to do that. I was in a panic mode that I had no idea I even had.
1: So,
0: Robert, you've been in, in married a long time. Can you explain a little bit about how you were triggered in the beginning of marriage as opposed to the evolution of that throughout your marriage and how it is now? Are you still triggering each other like you did at the beginning?
2: What, what, uh, ask that question again.
0: i when you, uh, since you've been married quite a bit, oh,
2: okay. you know,
0: what was it like when you first started out in marriage? And then how did that change as far as? your wife triggering you or you triggering your (laughs) wife and has that changed over the time and how did you handle it
2: my marriage is actually a mystery to me because she's the only person i used to just find things wrong with everybody and i never did with her even though she had a lot of issues (laughs) she she was in therapy and, and for some pretty severe things and I don't know, we disconnected somehow, and we could always talk to each other. But there was, early in our career, or our marriage, um, we were um, at a, uh, well, it was actually at Lafayette outside of Colorado Springs, and it was a retreat, and we had some uh, foster client, in fact, I guess I'm not supposed to name names, but uh, but he had a group of therapists there, and we were doing, you um, you know, working on ourselves. And there was this one woman that really, one therapist really um, really impressed Joanne. She says, I'm gonna go work with her. I immediately out of reaction says, I'm gonna go work with her too. I didn't realize till later when I looked at, back at it that I had to, I was real insecure. I'll get to that in a second, but I knew that I had. Well, I was a okay. My most deep fear I didn't get to until maybe five, ten years ago is that if you saw me, you would reject me. Oh, yeah. So I was afraid if I got into therapy, that some things would come up, and or if, if I wasn't there to protect myself, yeah. <laughs> that. She would come up with some stuff that she would really see who I was, believe. And, and so I tried to get into therapy too. And a little bit later, I got you know around therapists and stuff like that. Hey, you know I could do that. And the purpose of it, I actually tried to get a master's in psychology with the idea of perfecting my persona, all self, and that I could be connect with people, which I wasn't real good at doing except with Joanne. And I could be wise, you know, look like a really smart person. <laughs> and I could perfect my persona because I learned all these techniques on how to do that. Wow.
0: So when you first got married, what kind of things triggered you?
2: Oh, geez. Well, anything that would expose me that... um I was always trying to act smart, more intelligent than other people. <laughs> and if, um, anything that I thought I, I couldn't trust people who could actually see through me, who I th- thought could see through me. So anybody that I thought could see through me or indicated they could see through me, that scared me. In fact, I would, um, uh, try to kind of talk to people a little bit to to find out how, maybe what I would call emotionally savvy they are now, (laughs) to see if I could, you know, if we could connect on our insecure side, then I could feel safe with them because I knew they wouldn't probe too much.
0: Interesting, okay.
2: However, Joanne and I <laughs> ended up getting it all. You know, we we spent I spent time with Regina Satir and she was she was in therapy. And they, the probably the lifesaver is the fact she was in therapy, and she got me into therapy, even though I got in for the wrong reasons. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it's well, an interesting
0: exactly, but it was an interesting conversation anyhow.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so
0: what what kind of things does she do that trigger you right now? I mean, or in your relationship. And how do you handle that when something triggers you between the two of you?
2: Uh, sometimes she interrupts me. And because, and you know, I used to interrupt her too, but I'm catching it more now. And so I just uh, I just know she does it. And I can tell her, I can say something, and she'll stop and respond. And um, what I figured out is that sometimes I go on too long, (laughs) get too deep, you know, and she's kind of heard it before, (laughs) she kind of wants to go to sleep and stuff, but instead of trying to make her perfect and myself perfect, I try to just admit that, um, you know, I've got this tendency and, and, and I know that. When I do have that tendency, it's gonna impact her in a certain way. And so the idea is over time to try to lessen it rather than doing it right away. This is bad, you quit that. No, let's work on it. You know, and so I give her permission to point it out because it's helpful, and then I give her room to be upset for a few minutes, and then after a minute, she comes back and she's fine. So it's amazing if we allow each other to kind of be each other, it just opens up the world. It's just really amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably uh, a good advice to people in our audience to think about when they get triggered. It's an opportunity. Yes.
0: Yes. It sounds like you've learned to accept other people.
1: More and so, more for their
0: errors and their mistakes and, and not being perfect, and maybe it has a lot to do with you accepting yourself for not being perfect, and it's okay. Yeah, but it took they me don't trigger you that much anymore.
2: I kind of say it, it took me all these decades to you know reach a certain level of forgiveness. So, why can't other people have at least as long? <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> why can't
1: I have? same amount of time. Uh, so longer. Dr.
0: Berry, what do you think about all
1: this? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Robert, you you represent somebody who uh, who thinks very clearly about a lot of this. And I'm I'm really glad we had you on to talk about your story a little bit. And I hope people in the audience identified with particularly uh, if they're married and the kind of things that go on with their spouse and and also, your example of of, of the road rage incident that was a good one, because a lot of people exper- have experienced that one as well. So appreciate those stories. And then the self-protective mechanism, because that's what really what people do when they get triggered. They go into a self-protective mode, and, and then they don't learn the lessons that need to be learned from, from the triggering experience. Okay
2: one thing I would say is that becoming real you know working through um, forgiveness and working through the triggers if you're someone like me that was so far removed in a lot of ways from connections in a lot of ways to that experience of coming out of that is it's beyond ex- explanation all the way from extra energy even for normal, routine tasks, I have about 30 of changes that I've noticed in myself, and they relate to like less anxiety, better relationships, better thinking and decision making, more openness. And when you improve in one of these areas, they improve in all of them. So you get the whole package. And it's even if it's the last day of your life, it's worth it is what I would say, to spend the time to do it. It, it seems like you're, you're going up against it, going up against it. Sometimes I felt like I'm so damn tired of being wrong, <laughs> you know, of going in the wrong direction. But there comes a point when life just has so much more meaning, and it's beyond description.
1: Wow, that's, a, that's profound, Robert. Thank you. Yes,
0: it really is. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, listen, we're we're about out of time for today and appreciate you coming and being willing to be as open as you've been with your story and uh, how you've dealt with uh, triggers in your life. I, I, I think I'm hoping that uh, there were bits and pieces of your story that other people in the audience would identify with.
2: I hope so, too. That's fun talking to you guys. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Uh, yeah, same here. I I enjoy, uh, as I said, when we get on the phone, sometimes it it goes on and on and on for an hour or so. And we say, well, gee, uh, we've learned a little bit more about each other and as a result of our conversation.
0: Well, it seems like you've seriously overcome your shyness, Robert. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I was at a Toastmasters meeting the other day, and I was surprised at how loud I was talking into that room. <laughs> Usually I have a very quiet voice. And there was just something about just being open. And Yes. That, oh, I forget. But anyway, that group just gives me permission to make mistakes. Yes. And they just support me and so forth. And it just feels so good. So it took me fifty years to finally make it to my first Toastmasters meeting.
1: By the way, Oh, wow, that's <laughs>
0: really oh my gosh, oh, yeah. that's so cool that you went.
1: And now you're uh, uh, an expert on Toastmasters. You've, you've no, no, debated no. contests <laughs> and all kinds of things. I mean, no, 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 no. You're no. moving yourself out into be, you know, able to speak in front of yes. people, and not yes. not have this old fear that somehow that. Uh, they're going to reject you if they see you, and and you've gone past that very clearly.
2: Yeah, I'm not an expert by any means, but folks do appreciate what I have to say, and they, you know, it, it's still connected. You don't have to be perfect in your speaking. I like to, you know, be a toastmaster or something like that, but uh, or, or host, but just to talk to people, it makes a difference.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, I think we'll end the interview for now. Uh We've covered a lot of ground and and we're about out of time. So, Sierra.
0: Dr. Berry, what do you have for us next time?
1: Well, next time I'm going to dig in deeper into my newest book. And I'm going to show people how to increase their psychological intelligence uh, through the book, particularly. But I'll talk about that in general, what psychological intelligence is, why it's important to be more intelligent about you, uh, your own psychology and your personal story. So um, I'll be anxious to share what I have learned about that, what's in the book that might help people.
2: Okay.
0: Well, thanks so much, Robert. That was, that was such an interesting conversation. Thanks for coming in.
2: You're welcome.
0: I guess Bye. we'll see you all next time then.
2: Right. Yes. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Therapy turned my life around. I was able to face my fears, identify some of the beliefs that were holding me back, and start living, actually living my life. If Dr. Berry's latest book, What Is Your psy had been available, I would have had a better understanding about myself before I saw my therapist. Or I may not have needed therapy at all. I recommend this book if you'd like to identify and rethink the past beliefs that are affecting your life. This book is available at CICRCL.org. Don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Berry's podcast and receive self-assessment tools. This is Sierra Dahl and Dr. Berry. We're looking forward to seeing you next time.